Okay, well, welcome back to another episode with me. We are now on the other side of 50 episodes with honestly no end in sight of amazing guests that are already booked and strategies that I've just been bottling up that I want to just like personally uncover and share with you guys as my as my audience. If you've been with me kind of for a while, I want to start just by saying thank you. <laughs> thank you for continuing to tune in and lean in on this resource for you and your business. Uh, I know how valuable our time is as agents and honoring your time and attention fuels me to just keep finding great guests, spending time and energy to put this out here uh, for you. So it does drive me to, to bring things forward. So kind of here is my cheers to the next 50 and getting to 100, which, you know, very few podcasts actually ever do. So uh, today, though, today, my guest is actually a byproduct of the new connections that are formed through things like our media and creating this podcast because, because of the journey I've been on. And that's how we connected. Um, our guest, my guest today is Jen. It's Dumitrescu, right? And you may not have heard of her, but she is a 17-year real estate veteran out of the greater Toronto area. So for all the Canadian kind of Toronto-based listeners, uh, she's currently with Sage Real Estate. Now, not only is Jen a successful agent, I've been doing that for 17 years. That's pretty close to me. I think I'm 18, so I might have you by a year. Um, she has also become an author and a consultant uh, to agents needing support. She just found passion through her journey to go ahead and do that. Um, and that's that was kind of one of the kind of the key discussion points when we decided to say have Jen bring, bring uh, her message to this podcast. Uh, Jen's book is called How to Run a Successful Real Estate Business, Insider Tips on How to Earn More and Work Less. So if I just pause for a minute, it's pretty apparent by the title that this is something all of us as agents could do a little more of, right? We could use a bit more of this. And I think, you know, Jen's book is as, as, uh, as good as it comes for like trying to support us. So Jen, after that long-winded intro, welcome to the show. Thank you. That was a fantastic intro. <laughs> Sometimes you don't recognize everything that you do and hearing you say that, you know, it was it was really nice. So thank you very much. I appreciate it. And I'm really excited. You know, after our first conversation, I knew this was going to be a great episode. So I'm really looking forward to it. Well, Jen, you know, what? you and I don't know each other super well. Um, um, what can you share about your journey? to get to this point that would be relevant for agents listening beyond the fact that you're a 17 year vet, you've gone ahead and created systems in a book that you could share with others, but just bring us a little bit up to speed so that we can uh, kick off the show. Sure. You know, right when I got into real estate, I realized that I didn't want to have the hours that everyone else had. And I know that that might've been a bit short-sighted, but I didn't want it to consume my life. I wasn't the, one of those agents that was like, I'm available 24 seven. I wanted to have boundaries. And I learned that thankfully, I, I think I signed up for coaching pretty soon after I became an agent. And because of my background in systems and processes, I thought to myself, I'm pretty sure I can systemize this somewhat so that it's a bit easier for me and I'm not doing the repetitive tasks. So probably within month four, five, or six, I was systemizing some of the things that I do so that they became more automatic. I didn't need to think. I was, when I started real estate too, for three months, I had a full-time job because I wasn't sure about the transition. 
So I needed to be really efficient because I was traveling for work. I was running real estate and I was starting out. So that right away for me was sort of a key factor to how I wanted to build my career. Makes sense. So you do have, so you're prior to real estate. I was an engineer. I'm a recovered engineer. And I, you see that thread into almost everything I do with the, like the coaching I provide to agents and the analytics that I like to bring to the table. Locally, a lot of people know me from, from my market updates and those types of things. And I coach our agents to that. Your background's coming from a systems and a process world. So it's amazing to hear right there that three, four months in, you were already thinking about repetition and scale where I've, I've coached agents that have been in the business for a decade that never they almost feel like they're starting from scratch on every transaction. Well, it's funny because I, this was the one job I like my background is, was sales, like sales right from the get-go, yeah. you know, and then I somehow landed, it was a summer job, you know, between university that, turned into they needed someone to do their ISO 9000 stuff and so I was like oh okay I'll do this whatever it's summer work between university then after university I again landed a temp job and they again needed somebody in quality assurance which was systems and processes so I fell into it and I loathed it it was like so boring I would fall asleep all the time but it made sense to me because I think similar to you, I'm a very analytical person. And so this, even though I found it boring, made sense to me. Mm. And I sort of just structured everything like that afterwards because it was after that I went to another sales job. But even in my sales jobs, I would find ways to make things systemized so that they were easier for me and I could produce more volume because it was systemized. Totally. I mean, that... <laughs> Yeah. So you and I come from a background where we've seen that play out in a positive way. For us, typical agents, type A, very outgoing, you know, for the typical, you know, relationship driven, this concept is foreign for most people, right? So I thought to bring you on and have this great conversation about the things you've learned and you've put out to the world, um, that I would uh, scour through some of your content right? In preparation for this, as I always do. And I thought I'd read out some stuff that I thought stood out where you like you you came out and shared some thoughts and and then we can just riff on them a little bit from your experience and mine and your coaching. So if you're up for it, I didn't prep you for it. Let's do it. And uh yeah, off let's we go. go. <laughs> yeah, I can I, thank my camp counselor days for this because I'm ready for anything. Just go. There you go. So let's actually let's start here right at the beginning. This one will be the easy one. How about this? How to run a successful real estate business. Insider tips on how to earn more and work less. Give me a little history on how this came to be and what drove you to say, okay, let's let's dive into like running the real estate business. If we're going to like summarize your book title, how do we, what can we do and riff on for a couple of minutes with, with the most impactful part of that? Meaning how this can help you with earn more? Yeah. You can either to earn more money in real estate, unless I'm missing something, you can either do more transactions, which is more of your time, or you can do a higher 
value transaction, right? So you can move from the million, two million, three million, whatever it is, you can move to that category. Not everyone has that option to move to that category. It may not be in their in their in their Margin. neighborhood that they work. It may not be something that's feasible for them. So the other option then is to just start doing more transactions. And in Ontario, for a long time, we were not allowed to incorporate which meant to me like either I'm doing way more transactions and just giving way more to the government and doing nothing personally, or I can find a way to do more transactions, but not tax me as much because I've systemized things. So that's when I would bring in part-time assistant. And the only way to bring in that part-time assistant and not have them you know, not have it take a lot of my time was to have things systemized and be like, this is how we do X, Y, Z. This is how we do X, Y, Z so that they could go do it. And we could both be working at the same time and me not having to train them. And, you know, when you have a part-time assistant, the turnover can be high. So you have to be even more um, prepared to do that. But to me, still physically, there's only so many transactions you can do in a year. If you do not want to give up your full life, like if you still want to have a life, there's only so many things that you can do and which caps what you can earn. So then how can you make that? How can you increase your earnings? Do a few more transactions, but without the admin work. Because when we're done our day, I'm not sure about like the timing for your market. Like I talked to some agents in the States and they're like, well, we work like nine to five, but it doesn't work like that in Toronto. So there's a lot of evenings and weekends and we still have things to do during the day. And so when you are not on doing a deal or doing the showings, the last thing you want to do is your admin work. So how can you streamline that? I mean, that concept, right, is scary for a lot of people right? Part-time costs, you know, extra things, because we value. And, and one of your other comments was, I, I believe, let me just scroll down through my notes, was something to say, what is your hourly rate, right? And, you, and calculating that for us, maybe a step one, maybe walk me through that. How would an agent go ahead and calculate their hourly rate? And then we can unpack how to like take that and and, and to get scale, like you talked about, right? Because that's that's another level to things. So maybe walk me through that hourly rate calculation for us to like wrap our heads around, just you know, maybe high level. Yeah, that's funny because I was just I'm just about to send out an email to my database on how to calculate your hourly rate, and I was like, well, I better go reference my book. So basically, <laughs> you take what you want to make in a year, and you divide that by the hours that you want to work. Oh, and there's there's two ways that you can look at this. Um, you can look at it and say, how much do I want to make? And what are the tasks that are not within that range? Mm -hmm. So you, okay, let, let me back this up. Okay. So what do you want to make? That's your hourly wage. Yeah. And then you have to say, what are the tasks that are probably, if your hourly wage is by $50 or a hundred dollars or $200, then you need to make sure that you're doing the tasks that are worth $200, Yeah. right? Me driving to pick up a deposit check is not a good use of $200. I can send a courier for probably $17 or $20 to go and do that. 
which is a business expense versus me driving and gas and my time. And I can't do anything else during that time. So breaking down what it is that you want to do and then what's a value. So here's another good one. Um, leases, and this might be very controversial for some people, but leases are not a good use of your time as an experienced agent. Like I broke it down that you're actually losing money per hour mm. when you work on a lease because they're almost the same amount of time as a purchase. But in Ontario, like let's say the lease is 2,800, we get 1,400 minus the share to the brokerage minus the government share and then you break down the number of hours, you're actually working for less than minimum wage. You're probably at a loss. And so you need to look at all of your tasks and say, is this something that is money producing and only I can do? Or is this something that I can have an admin assistant do? But back to your point, it can be very scary to bring on an admin assistant, have a part-time admin assistant. And the biggest barrier for most people, and I went through it myself, was oh, is it really going to, it's only going to take me two minutes. I should just do this myself. Oh, it's only, it's 30 seconds. I've got this. But it's not. It's 30 seconds and it's a minute and it's three and it adds up. And then it's, I don't want to do this. That's where you get lost and that's where you end up working all the time. Makes sense. I'll, I'll, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reverse right back to this thing that yeah. says, take the dollars you want to make. We all set a goal, right? Uh, divide by what you want to work. That want to work part of it, that's probably a tricky one for agents to finally land on, right? Like you just said, we're realtors, right? We're maybe coming from a nine to five of 40 hours a week. Do you suggest people just start with that? Like, let's, let's baseline this to say, like, we are a 40 hour a weeker to just like divide by. Or do you say, you know what, uh, you're, you don't want that, right? Like challenge yourself to say, you really want to work four hours a day, or you want to work six hours a day. H how does someone get to that point? Especially when they probably have never tallied their total hours, right? They have no idea knowing in this business, because it could be 80, right? How, how do you walk somebody through that? I think that comes down to personal preference. Like, I've met a lot of agents that once they start having a family there, they condense the amount of time they work and they are more efficient in the time that they work. Right. And that comes down to the being busy versus being productive. Like you, you nail things down pretty quickly. Um, I think a lot of agents when they're starting out, they're like, I'll just take whatever, whenever, because I want to get things going it's later on that the burnout starts that that's when you realize, no, that's not a good model for me. So I think being aware of it is probably the best option. Be aware that you can make a choice. Be aware that burnout is possible. Be aware that you can be more productive and you can earn more if you do things the right way and if you set them up the right way. I mean, that's key. I, I love the, the the use of awareness because you're figuring this out, right? Everything we do is an iteration. We're constantly finding something, trying something, tweaking something, whether it's a script, a marketing piece, a listing presentation, a pricing strategy. We're just tweaking this stuff always, right? So if, if step one was you get to this place of the holy grail, 
And then you have the Can awareness. I just add something to that that yes. you just said there. Please do. We're always tweaking it, but I'm not sure that we are learning it from the right people. So I think when you mm. learn it from the right person, you're going to have a different perspective on it. Yeah, that makes sense because too. If you are working in an office where the agents have only ever done one thing one way and they've only been taught that you work you know what is that expression you make hay when the sun shines or something then that's what you're going i get expressions wrong so if i go <laughs> that's the only thing you're going to know to do whereas if you are surrounded by other people and you're taking in training from different sources you're going to get a different perspective and i think that's also, what's miss missing in our industry is the concept of you don't need to follow all of the other horses that have been going one direction. Mm. Start thinking about some different options and be aware of what this looks like. Yeah, I mean, that ecosystem effect is a positive trend or potentially a negative like detriment, right? So um, I love that you shared that. But if, say, I knew my dollar per hour was worth 250 and you're like, wow, this is great. That awareness first allows to be a filter for your decisions. And it, maybe you're not ready to like fully cut that check for every one of these little things you and I will talk about, but at least you now start to like, that awareness is that first like gut check to say like, oh, like really should I be doing this? And you choose to do it, but that, that awareness over time, you realize, okay, it's time to buck up and do some of these things. So with that in mind, when somebody's considering a part-time assistant, and what are some of the easier things that people have, you've suggested people like start to consider putting on to somebody else um, that that like just come to mind just so, you know, not everybody's making 100K in this business, right? As we know, the average agent does not very well. It's almost below, yeah. you know. Uh, Is NAR reported like 32,000 or? Yeah, so not a big number, right? Like poverty yeah. line, right? So. So what, you know, what, what would somebody who doesn't have the big budget should still consider despite the cost of a $15 an hour, an $8 an hour, a $20 an hour person when cutting money out of their bank account feels like scary today because of, you know, we're struggling through that as just cost of living and everything. I would say there's a bigger, the bigger picture is to look at how you want to build your business. Mm. And that is going to be key because it's going to direct you as to where you should spend your money. If you are not focused on the type of business and how you want to build it, then you're going to be scattered and where you're dispersing your money. So as an example, I would say, if you've decided that you would like to farm a, a neighborhood, or, and so your focus is going to be on postcards and making business connections and whatever else is involved in doing farming. Then you look at what's involved in the tasks for that. And what can I do? And what are the ones that are really, you know, people facing that involve my personality? And what are the things like preparing postcards? creating the design for postcards, making sure that you can send them out through Canada Post and all of those things that can be delegated to somebody else. Mm -hmm. Use another example. Let's say you're going to do it via, um, you want to build your referral network, which we know is the best way to build your business. Sure. Then planning out your calendar of events, 
what you plan to do, again, what involves your time, what involves other people's time, then you can start to say, okay, I, and then look at your strengths and weaknesses. I'm a terrible writer. I'm going to get somebody to help me with writing, or I'm going to use the chat AI feature, but I'm going to then modify it and make sure that it's okay. I'm going to get somebody to, you know, I'm going to go on Fiverr and find somebody to give me, you know, help me design client invites because I'm terrible at design. So that's something that's easy to offload. So figure out what your path is for the year. Come up with your plan. Identify within that plan, what am I good at? What am I not good at? Then apply your hourly rate and then figure out where I can get help. I've really found that in the past um, probably five or six years, that it's been way better for me to hire people for specific tasks than trying to hire an everybody person. And an admin person may not be your best option right out of the gate. You might be better to spend money on small projects like hiring a designer to create your templates for social media, which then you can disseminate yourself or hire a copywriter to write out, you know, five blogs for you. And then you fill in the other pieces. Mm-hmm. But trying to hire somebody, like I have yet to find the perfect admin assistant. And I like it's really breaking it down now for me. Right. Who is the best person? What's their area of genius? What's their zone of genius? And how can they help me? Because they're going to be more productive. If you hire somebody who's really good at something, they're going to be really productive at it. And you're paying a smaller fee to get them to do that job. And it's going to cost you way less money in the long run. I mean, I actually. I've experienced that myself, right? I mean, my first assistant, this was 2013, my business was starting to build and I was just about to start my sales team. So it was, it was apparent I needed some in-house people beyond myself. And, and it took three, four months of cross training and me slowing down just to transfer the knowledge before I felt confident enough. And sure, I needed that full-time assistant and got, you know, that's for sure. But that energy, most people don't take, right? That That's a scary burden to try to, I had a pretty complex business already. So it took a while to transition that and get that up and running. But by what you're saying about, and, in, and this is the gig economy too, and this is a niche economy, we're finding people are really good at a, one thing. And if I just needed help for X task every time, find that one person so that you can easily transfer that one skill set over fast, right? To say, I need you to get into this system to find these people and do these things. That's much easier than be my assistant and do everything. You know what I mean? Which means the path to execution is what you're saying happens so much faster, which means you're probably going to see an ROI on the time, either with ROR money or ROI, just I get my life back, right? You're going to see that benefit sooner. Is that fair to say? Yes, I think your original question was if someone didn't have a lot of money, what's a good way? And that's a good way is to have the niche. I do think eventually you do need an admin assistant. Like I've had a full time and I struggled with it at first. And we can talk about all the blocks that there are with getting an assistant. Um, But 
my main thing was get in my email and clean it up, which is when I realized I needed somebody full-time because they can answer and they can do things while I'm driving, whatever the case may be. So there is a time when that's very valuable and having them run my CRM and deploy things that happen. And I got to that stage of being able to have that person and having it be less of an energy drain on me by having my systems and processes in place. Right. So I went through that very painful experience of writing out all my systems and processes in 2017. And it took me down. Like, (laughs) you know, my volume, my production that year was very low, but what came out of it was the ease of them being able to bring employees on and transition them because people move. And so there was less fear that I had to make the right person decision. And oh my gosh, if they left, what happened? Because everything's done. Like I have a whole behind the scenes document now that links to everything that I do. So it's a master and then it disseminates to the smaller details. So there's less fear for me around employees in that capacity. So I think there's there's two stages and tiering it might make it easier for people. Makes sense, yeah. Because I because people are scared, like, you know, like you said, it, it takes a long time to do that. Yeah. And when your money is on the line. Big time, but you know, you'll need it to have the life that you wanted to build with this amazing career we have, which gives us all of this freedom, should we choose to accept it? You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's not always the case. So you were saying um, about this whole, like, 2017 took you back a bit, because you, you, you had to build some of these systems. I think that is like, that's like the key statement that a lot of agents won't take the time to slow down and get any of this documented. I mean, how do you start that? Because again, most agents are not super organized. We're not, you know, that's not the background. How do we force feed this into people to just say, you know what, break this down and get it somewhere out of your head? How, How do we do that? And what does it then do for you? I suspect that there's a very small percentage of people that are capable of doing it because it requires a level of detail. It requires stepping back from your business. It requires really being dedicated to getting it done. And even if you had an admin assistant to do it with you, it still takes a lot of time. I mean, that's why I'm selling them because I know people don't it's too daunting for them to do it. I don't know what kind of crazy land I went to, to, to do it, but I went there. It's the same place I went to write my book and, you know, it required an extreme level of dedication to do it. And so I, I think maybe just acknowledging who you are and if it's not who you are, then just buy it, make it easy. But if it is who you are and you want to do it because there's good learning there, then I would start by saying, you need to itemize all of the things that you do and then like into big buckets and then you need to start breaking it down by you know how do i enter a client into my crm okay literally write down every single step someone should be able to give it to me and i should be able to and there should be instructions like go to this website here's the username and password. don't but I keep a separate document with username sure. and passwords. I actually use LastPass, use technology to save it. But, you know, log in, go here, press this button, do Loom videos and anything that makes it easier for somebody to see. If 
you don't know this question needs to be answered by agent ask agent this question hmm. once you start with one then you start with the next one then you start with the next one and you'll right. find that you know let's say my prospect buyer my prospect seller system i have things like send this questionnaire at the beginning right when i meet them well then i create had to create the questionnaire and then later, you know, like enter questionnaire details into a thing. Like you, it's literally step-by-step. Step. Sure. And that's what makes it so useful for an admin person because they should be able to follow it without you being there. Right. And then your business is still being run within your control. Because a lot of times things go off the rails for people who are self-employed because they no longer have the control because you might teach this person, person A, person A, then, you know, you grow, person A then trains person B. Now person B is learning a different way. They train person C and suddenly you have no idea how things are being run. And I saw it, you know, like recently this year, because I had two different employees, they were building things. And when they left and we had different, we had to do some transitions. I was like, I've lost control of some things. I need to pull this back. I need to pull it back into my master system so that I know. Because otherwise, I'm not going to be able to train somebody moving forward. So it's a bigger wheel, but it also makes your life so much easier. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, it makes sense to me when you say that. Um, my microphone just changed for some reason. So I don't know if you can okay. hear me differently on my end. All right. Yep. And I mean, that's what, when you go on vacation for two weeks, that's what's going to make things happen because, you know, I use Trello. So everything's in Trello and anybody can log in, preferably my admin assistant, not some rando, and know where things are at with different deals and little things like you need to send the lockbox code to the lawyer on the day before closing. It's just a little detail most people probably don't think about, but I had it happen while I was away and um, I, I this was one of the times when I had a part-time assistant, so they weren't reading my emails and I didn't want to be on email and the lawyer was calling me frantically trying to get this information. Whereas if that had been already set up or someone was monitoring things, that wouldn't have been the case, right? Those are the little things that you make you stop enjoying your vacation. And the point is, to take the down, to take the time and to trust in what you have. It makes a ton of sense. I mean, that, that concept, like you said, not everybody's capable of, but we probably should all, even before you go and see a system like yours that you've kind of mm -hmm. filled out is if you can create the awareness of what your system is, get it out of your head into just bullet points. That even is a, is a nice experience to say, oh, this is how I do things. And oh wait, I, I I do have gaps. You know what? I do need to learn. <laughs> I should go grab the system right from Jen because you can see that it's pretty light. All right. I mean, by now I should be doing more than this, but I don't know what that is to do. Right. And that's where you could say out of your head, create a little freedom and like, wow, less overwhelm. And then also use resources like yours that are out there to say how I can just round this out and improve it. Does that make sense? Well, I think it builds consistency for the client experience. And I think it enables agents to grow how they treat their clients. And so when you're starting out, 
you're just trying to take it all in, right? There's so much to learn, even just in the ethics of how you do things and the finesse that is required. So you're learning that skill, but then you're also, how should I do this consistently? And then once you maybe get to consistent, then you might say, how do I make it better? How do I do those little things for the client that really stands out that makes them want to come back to me or say, or makes them want to say to their neighbor, hey, this person was so great because they did X, Y, Z. You're only going to be able to add those extra little touches if you've got things documented. And so to your point, start somewhere, get a piece of paper. And even if it doesn't make any sense, just write it all out. And then you can start to divide it mm -hmm. and, you know, I don't know, use different colored pens or different colors of paper or highlighters, but you'll see that there's little buckets. And even that is an awareness because from there you can say, this is how I do it, but I've never liked that. I never stop. I stop talking to them right after I finish the paperwork. What can I do afterwards? Yeah, you a know? lot of the theme in your messaging that when you go through your content is is about squeezing out that that referral business and and adding these like healthy, authentic touch points. But randomly getting there is not the way to go, right? Getting there with business and some scale and some systems gives you the freedom to have authentic touch points that are in a system, right? Which would seem like when you do that more often, there's better chance to see those returns and see those, I call it revenue for life, kind of come through. But if, you, if you're just hoping and praying that you'll remember, you know, God help you, right? So. Well, for the longest time, I wanted to do something on moving day for my clients. And it's it sounds so easy. Like, of course, every morning I send them an email and I say, congratulations on your closing. But I also wanted to do something to make their move easier. And I do send out a moving package, which I drop off with them like well in advance. Do you think I could get to it? No. I, but it, once I put it into my system, send client, you know, an Uber Eats gift certificate three days before move, then it didn't matter where I was in the world or traveling. I knew that this had to be done and it was easy and it, I didn't forget it. So that was something I wanted to do for so long. It's a little, little touch, but until it was in my systems and I'm being triggered to send it, then I didn't have consistency with it. Totally. I mean, if you struggle following a system, even if it's your own, that again is probably a clear sign that you just need that assistant, that part-timer to say, well, if you're just not willing to like kind of roll back to the holy Bible you created, which is your business. And if you just, because you're so realtor, <laughs> you know, but you need that person to say, okay, well, this happens on these days. And and we need to extract these things ongoing because you or I, as the agent, are get a little distracted. We get a little squirrely. We chase that next thing, but we need some structure. And if that is not you, because you just can't fall into that rhythm, you should deploy help. Fair? And I don't think it we, you know, it shouldn't be viewed as bad. Like, I think what Most agents are probably a certain type in order to do this business, which means that they are really good in this one area. And it's okay to not be good in another area and just get help for it. And just acknowledging that is a great place to be because it's going to make things easier. And I think a lot of people have this internal conflict of, well, I should be able to do it. Why can't I do it? It's only going to take this long, you know, 
And there's this struggle. And I think if you eliminate that struggle and just own it and be like, I'm not good at this. I don't want to do it. And that's okay because it allows me to be better at being a realtor. And for the most part, we're not, if you look at how people come into the stream of being a realtor, there is no consistency in terms of a skill that they possess, except possibly that they're good at um, helping people. But the other business side of things, we're not taught it. And if you don't come from a business background, how are you supposed to know it? And so now you're putting all these shoulds on top of yourself that are just not probably realistic for you and your personality. Just it's okay. Right. Well, you wrote something somewhere that said business fundamentals nobody talks about. And that sounds like that's one of them, right? Absolutely. Well, no one tells you, and this is why I created my training program, because nobody tells you when you leave real estate school and there are different, the, the training across Canada I've been learning is extremely different by province, but nobody tells you you're going to be running a business. You are the CEO and you are, there's a big hat to wear and there are many different departments you're going to be managing. And you can't just be a real estate agent because all of these other pieces have to be there in order for you to be successful. And so my, my goal or my wish is to help people to start being aware of that and saying, okay, yeah, I do need to think about this as a business. This isn't just transaction. Yeah. I'm going to run out and do the showing and knock off a deal. How, how are you going to sell a business? How are you going to retire? What are you going to have to show if you don't have systems and processes in place to create an ROI for somebody or a business plan? Yeah. I mean, that so much of the coaching, and if I went back through my episodes and all the topics we've talked about, so much of it comes down to lead generation, social media, marketing strategies, but so few of it, uh, because it's not as exciting as this stuff, is like building the business so that as the year turns, we feel like this ability, there is a business chugging and running and gears are turning and it's not just only lead gen focused. Of course, I also know that if we have no leads, there's no point of having any of this. But the reality is, okay, well, once that is is running, you you know, step into the business build side so that it is something that can sustain this hopper of lead flow, right? So I think that they can run at the same time. And they're this is not the sexy part by any means, but they can run at the same time because not everybody has some, excuse me, some downtime. So during that downtime, write out a system or, right. you know, when you're thinking of just doing something, dictate it into the phone, type this, do this, go here, go there. And then it's, it's written. Right. And then, then when you're getting the leads, excuse me, because I think a lot of people get these leads and they think, and the leads are super important, but what happens with the follow-up with the leads? What happens with people pay a lot of money to get leads and then they're not doing the proper follow-up. How many times have you seen, and I'm just as guilty, but I might follow up with somebody five times. Maybe now the trend is it needs, you know, 10 to 11 times that you fall off. Next thing you know, you see their house listed and you're like, oh, we're so close with them. But, you know, having, I heard a coach say it takes them about, a year and a half to get a client up to speed to be fully ready to be immersed into their coaching program because 
they have to get all their systems and processes in place. All of the, the foundations need to be there so that they can be productive later. And that's why I think it can be two trains that are moving on the same track together. You yep. don't need to sacrifice one or the other. Yeah. And people it will people help you with your leads. Sorry. People speak to that. And if you say, okay, it takes, I mean, I said three to four months to transition my assistant in. You say, you know, this coach that you heard might need a year to just fully get the systems and the foundations. And people balk at that, right? They're like, oh, that's too long. But they're like, well, how long are you planning to sell real estate for, right? Like, I'm sure you're not in this just for a year. Like, you know, for me, I, I'm, I'm 42. I, I still plan to be selling in my 60s. I still have a 20-year runway ahead of me. And most agents have more than that, right? With the, As you know, there's just so many new agents joining. So yeah, that whole slow down to speed up and you're never too early to build this into your business is probably a key message you share a lot, right? Well, and you're not going to be able to have the longevity if you're burnt out. Right. So you have a higher potential of being able to transact longer if you are efficient mm. and you are taking time off and you are taking the vacation and you have help. And you are also going to then retire with something versus with nothing. Yeah, for sure. So I think that's the new um, sort of the, the paradigms that we need to change in real estate is don't work yourself. Like if you love it, don't work yourself to, so that you, you're burnt out and you can't do it past like 20 years and then be left being like, I don't know what to do with the rest of my career life and then being stuck, like make it a bit easier. It doesn't need to be so hard. I'm currently running through uh, one of my workshops. It's a workshop series called six figure blueprint. And it's all to do with the foundational setup of your sphere of influence and your database and then how it parlays and couples with your organic social yeah. media. But that, that, combination and the fundamental systems to just break it down like you're talking about from a database perspective it's so alarming how many agents still two years in five years in ten years in still don't even treat that foundational part of their 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 database properly where if they did they could stack so many other things on if they wanted to or that might just pay them all they ever need but it is that that foundational piece I mean, you, you, you wrote something this, the more desperate you are, the more mistakes you make, right? And I find if you're running this hamster wheel without any like systems, you're going to find yourself in these like panic modes, right? These desperate, desperate modes. Is that, is that kind of where that came from for you? It, it came from two places. Um, it came from the place that if people are not busy because realist, the market is slow, they're going to start doing things out of desperation. And I offered the option that if you're not busy right now, then to do the foundational work, because it's going to give you purpose every day, it's going to give you intention every day, and it's going to build something that then when the market picks up, because it does, you will be better prepared to handle all of the leads and you're not going to be spinning around and spinning and making mistakes and being like, 
up at 11 o'clock sending off emails or documents that maybe you shouldn't be doing at that time because you're tired, which that then leads to more mistakes. And so a lot of people, when there's a slowdown in the market, they start spending a lot of money trying to unlead generation programs or, you know, anything that can, it's changing brokerages, changing offices, thinking that that's going to do it. Whereas to your point, if you just slow down and say, here's, I'm going to work on my business as it is and make decisions later when I'm more calm and I have money or I have clients versus trying to do it now out of desperation to get clients. Yeah, for sure. And we have to be real with ourselves. If you're anywhere in this headspace, you're not too busy to do both lead generate and business create, right? I mean, and develop, right? I mean, we just not, right? There's a lot of time we waste doing a lot of things that are non-income producing, but make us feel busy, right? And Again, that's the awareness piece again, that uh, I wish more, if if like a, if a coach could walk you around with you for, you know, the next two weeks and just kind of, you know, and then report back to what they saw. I mean, you generally wouldn't be too proud of of what you put out to the world, right? And then if you had to go present yeah. that to your, uh, your spouse to say, this is actually what I did these last two weeks, you'd probably want to shrivel up and go in the corner, right? So... Well, and and um, for the past couple of weeks, what I've done is I've made a list for myself of six income producing tasks that I do every day. So either in the night before I shut down or in the first thing in the morning, I write them out for the day and I've been taking photos of them because mm. even that to me keeps me on track. So at the end of the day, I can say to my partner, yeah if he were to ask, not that it's not like an accountability thing, but you know, here's what I've done. And I feel good because I know that I've done those tasks and they are on folk point to, um, you know, being an income producing task. I was going to mention something. This goes back also to your hourly rate. So being aware of what your hourly rate is when you choose to do something else, like read blogs, you can, but you know, you at least then can say to yourself, is this really a $200 an hour task for me? Or is this something that I should be doing in my off time? Again, you're just asking the question. There's not, there doesn't need to be judgment, but you're at least aware of it. And I think um, that's important. You um, wrote in, um, you said this, and I wanted to get in. I wonder if you remember what you meant by this. And it was plainly this, add time back into your calendar. Right. So we've talked about finding freedom and stuff, but like, what does that mean to you to add time back into your calendar, which may seem contrary to the conversation you and I are just having? I am probably too hard on myself and I expect too much out of myself in a day. And that means that I probably get to the burnout stage sooner. So what this has allowed me to do is give myself a break and add, it gives me some more windows of freedom in my day. So because I don't need to do the admin work, I have an extra hour. And then maybe I can use that to go outside and do something that, that really brings me joy and where I get a lot of creativity from. Yep. Or you know, writing out my daily tasks, then I know if I choose to go to the gym from 10 to 11, I either have to do those in the morning before I go, or my day is longer. 
but it doesn't mean that my day is this. I, I'm no longer punching out 14 hour days because I've recognized I can do more when I'm focused and I'm not having those lingering, those little lingering tasks that you think that they're a minute, but then they end up being like five because you're, you do you procrastinate. You're like, oh, it's one minute. I don't want to do, I can just send that later. And it ends up being a five minute thing between your thoughts, between getting there, getting it done. It never becomes that. And so when you can eliminate those little things, that's also how you could add more time back. It's amazing also the mental game of it. So if I sit down on my couch at the end of the day, I don't have my office behind me being like, oh, but you've got work to do. Why are you sitting there? And that used to happen to me all the time because now I know I'm not going to forget something and it's ready for someone else to do and, or for me to do. Yep. No, absolutely. Mental space. That's right. Yeah. We, we wear enough hats. We don't know to wear them all and, <laughs> and uh, you know, getting, comfortable with that. I love that you said that early in the podcast, just knowing that that just might be you and just know that you don't have to have it all and yourself. It's not every, you're not the one that has to pull every lever, push every button and get into that headspace. You also wrote something I thought, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, and I think that often agents think, well, I'm just, it's just me. I don't need to do this. Like, I don't need to have things systemized. I have it all up here. I'm never going to hire an admin assistant. Why do I need this? And eventually, and there are some agents that just never take vacation and that's fine. And maybe this isn't for them. The only thing I would say is be aware of what your exit strategy is going to be. And how do you plan to do that? Because if you, you, you have choices, of course, you can work until you can't work anymore. And then your business will just fold. You can just not take on any more clients and your business, again, will just dwindle. Or you could transition your business to someone else, at which point you also stand to make a bit more revenue and you've at least got an exit plan and possibly some exit money there. So even if right during your time, you're like, I'm okay with just me. I'm okay just making this money. I'm not stressed. Great. I'm super proud for you. And just think about the exit. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I could be you sometimes. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Well, I mean, the, any career we take is long. If we're going to be in this for our life, our working adult lives, I mean, we'd all be better off doing some version of this, right? Whether you say you got it, you got it. Well, what could you do without, if you didn't and you, you, you actually adopted some versions of this? Right. I know the, the businesses that I respect the most, to be honest, and I've done the mega team thing. I've run and, and ran groups of dozens of agents. The businesses that I respect most and I know are the most profitable are the mega producer driven by an army of admins and administrations and a few core agents that really love to like that are in there to mentor and shadow because the efficiency of that business the scale, the, you know, the, the ROI on strong administrators versus um, trying to run a mega team. And I have great friends that run mega teams, but you know, if we really unearth the books, the profit mega team, you mean how many agents, like let's define. Yeah, we're talking 10 plus 25 plus agents with what's involved to get there. The profitability, I mean, for one, that's that's 0.001% of the industry, right? So we're not talking, probably nobody listening here is even that. 
for the most of us driving a really successful high earning business with a with a team of administrators driving most of the commission dollars back to you as the business person um, is an incredible business to run. When I look at our, our top producers in our market and the ones that I know have the net profits are the ones that really have done what you've done, have scaled it, have, have found the right fit administration, brought on maybe a few agents to support them. But we the PL on their line is way stronger, Rich. If we're going to do this, why not make your PL better? Right. So, well, and to your that's a really valid point. It's also just good business sense. And this goes back to we're not taught business fundamentals. And so you and I look at it from ROI perspectives. And there are agents that do. I'm not saying that there's not. But you need, even if you're a one-off person, you still need to look at your ROI. And that's why it goes back to what is your hourly wage? What are you actually making at the end of the day? Yes, you might see this big commission number, but what does it equate to into your bank account? Is that a number? How does that number feel to you against everything that you do? If you're like, I do nothing and this money works for me, great. If you're like, I do a lot, this number doesn't work for me at the end of the day, then that's when you look at it and think about it like this is a business. Makes sense to me. There's one more thing I wanted to bring up. And it, you said the law of prosperity is generosity. And again, you and I touched on a little bit of that authentic touch point with our clients and the ability of a system to allow for a lot of these awesome reasons we got into this business, which is like connecting with people and helping people through their biggest life changes. How does the law of prosperity is generosity land in, in your mind? Where does that come from? I'd love to know your take on that. Um, it comes through a lot of work that I've been doing with my business coach. And, um, you know, I think when real estate can often leave people in a lack or an abundant mode, right? The peaks and valleys, you either have a lot of money coming in or you don't. It's really hard to sort of get the consistency for, for a lot of people. And when you're in the other part, when you're in the lower part, it could be lack. But anytime you're there, it's not really a good place. And so there's ways to be still be generous and authentic with people that can generate abundance and prosperity for you later. And prosperity can come in the form of like you and I doing this podcast together, right? Like how this is an awesome thing and it's been such an enjoyable experience and we are going to be able to affect other people. So there's sort of like some giving back and some prosperity that happens through there. And, you know, when you can remember things in your CRM, like I've had a lot of female clients that have lost babies during pregnancy. So for them, you know, if I'm able to reach out or just connect with them on, on a time when they've had a really rough time or I'm aware of more organizations that support females that go through that and contribute can contribute on their behalf. That is something again that's very generous. And I'm not doing it for anything other than I'm connecting with people and I'm aware that I have the option of of influencing and 
bringing joy to other people through what I do. Because we meet so many people too. We meet so many people that have so many diverse backgrounds and, and situations, and we're so involved in things that they do. Usually that's a major life thing, right? Getting married, getting divorced, a death, a job change. There's so many things that can come from that. And when we are aware of what's happening and we can look at our CRM and we take good notes and we take good information and we connect with people, we can do the little things that really matter to them. Like we'll send them a book, you know, if they're going through something, I saw this book and I thought of you. Those are the little touches I think that make. And you, when you have that extra time in your calendar, because you're not running around like a chicken with your head cut off. You can, you can be like, yeah, I'm going to go to Amazon and input their address so that they can get this book delivered. That is a better use of your five minutes than sending out the repeat email that you send out with all the moving instructions to your client. Right. That's really powerful that I wrote down, I wrote down the word lack, right? Lack is never a good place, right? So if you're coming in this, if you're coming from a place where you don't know the address. You don't have their birthday. You don't have taken those notes. You've never slowed down enough to have that in the system. You're coming from a place of lack, right? Which means you can't do anything that would drive towards this idea of generosity and sharing authentically with the people that, you know, we have the honor to connect with. Um, I think that's a really great place to kind of like wrap this story together up because of how the systems work. Yes, they drive income. Yes, they drive time back. But at the end of the day, we're usually in this business because we enjoy helping people. This is what we like to do through our vehicle of real estate. Um, I, I love leaving our listeners with that conversation. Now, as I say that, and of the core teachings that you like to cover, and as we wrap this up, is there anything else that, uh, that we want to add to that? Or is that kind of a great place to leave us? The only thing I would say too is, you know, when people, when the market shifts and when you've had those good connections with people, when you call them to chat with them, they're, they're not going to, they're not going to feel like you're calling them just because you want business, right? right? It really does make a difference when, sure, during the height of 2020 to 2021, was I touching base with my clients as much as I should have been? No, but did I still do it? Yes. So they know that I consistently touch base with them. And so if I call them in a slow period, they're not going to be like, oh, she's just calling me because she wants business because I've built sort of that good foundation. And when you have that extra time, you can do that. And so it makes you feel less panicked and less of that desperation breath and less making rush decisions. It's all sort of like this, little circle. I agree. It is a cycle. It's a circle. If we could get every agent listening to adopt a few of these things we talked about, no matter their experience level, right? And they take their blinders off a bit and they'll like open up their ears a little bit and then take action. We can make a massive difference in the listeners and not just this year, but like for their career. And that that I think is why you're doing this, right? This is why you read the book. This is uh, created the book. This is why you share this story because you know like you're trying to support that longevity, right? And I think we're going to be, it's going to create a better experience for the public. And the public is going to view us better. And they're going to have more trust in what we do. 
And so that is also a win-win for everybody. It's a win for how agents connect with each other. It's a win for the agent's business. It's a win for how the public perceives us. And it's a win for how agents connect with their clients. Yeah, for sure. Well, amazing. Jen, your approach and then like your commentary today was awesome. It was great. It brought a different kind of dynamic, like I said, to our recent podcast topics, one that we need. And I hope many people enjoyed kind of this common sense, but like in practicality of it, but one that some of the simplest things we just truly are avoiding, we need to start to do and finally take action on. For those that are listening and, and you kind of are drawing into this conversation, what's the best way to connect with you? Um, and what's the, you know, the, where would you point them from some of the resources you have, um, you know, before we let the, the audience go? So my resources are available on my website, which is jdconsult.ca. So just the initials of my name. And my Instagram is jd.consult. Um I will be posting some upcoming webinars on my website. So if people want to learn more about that, they can go there and sign up and I'll keep them posted. I have thoroughly enjoyed myself today. You are an excellent person to chat with. Um, I'm just so impressed with what you do and the thought that went into this and how that, you know, I've never been asked the questions that you did. And I just want to say thank you for that because um I think it really leads to a different experience for your listeners. And I just feel so lucky to have been here and that we connected this way. So thank you. Oh, amazing. That's so nice of you to say. And uh, well, everybody, that has been another episode of the Reeducation Experience podcast. So thanks again for listening. For those listening, if you haven't already, and I just crested the 50 uh, episode mark, and I'd love, because I've never asked this for you, found any value along the way around all these guests we've been able to bring on like Jen and all the topics. If, if you've enjoyed this at all, please do me the honor of just rating it on whatever podcast provider you're listening to, right? Drop a rating, drop a review. Every platform's different. And this just helps us get it to more people like you. Right. And that's the important. This is not a vanity thing. This is just meant to say, hey, guys, I liked it. And let the algorithms do the same thing we want them to do for all of our quality content that we all share and put out as agents. So um, secondly, if you want to connect one level deeper at all, you know, Jen just said she's got um, her consult uh, consulting business. Please go do that. If you want to connect one step deeper with me, I don't even I don't think I've even mentioned this, but I, I write an e-series to my group of agents. And I write a new email every week aimed to just further support you, your business. And you honestly get the first crack at anything that I roll out myself personally, or any live workshops, intimate Q and A's that I run. So please just pop on to, to my site, go to my Instagram, and then you'll see there's an opt-in for that free uh, re-education e-series. I'd love to have you as part of that. So Again, thank you, everybody. Thank you, Jen, for such an awesome conversation. Uh, catch you guys all next time. Mm -hmm.